And so, but it's a joy to be here. Uh, we've had the privilege of being part of the missions program here for, I think, a little over 20 years. Uh, we did come off the field for a short period of time with some health purposes. And then as soon as we got ready to go back on the field, the church picked us right back up. And so it's been a real blessing and a joy. And now it's a joy to be one of your neighbors living on the other side of town here in Kingsport when we are home. Uh, but for those of you that are new, my wife and I are the founders of Lifeline Ministries. And that's the rescue and recovery of hurting churches. And in 2018, over 10,000 churches closed their doors in America. And uh, we have the privilege now of helping, uh, I think, our second or third church. Uh, we're down in Alabama. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, it's not a bad place to be on the Gulf Shore during the winter. And we've enjoyed being down there. But please pray for the church, Redeemed Baptist Church. Uh, we showed up with, I think, five eligible voting members uh, to vote the night that they voted us in to take over to help them to get to the next level. Uh, now we're running close to 25 to 30 sometimes on Sunday morning uh, to trying to get some more folks involved. Some people have come back. We've got several people that have visited on and off but have not joined yet. So pray that the Lord will help us. Uh, we have a, a guideline or we say a set of rules and basically we come in to keep the doors open. I knew they were struggling and the, a couple days before we came back to Tennessee for some of our appointments, uh, some of the men told me that we were ready to close the doors until we found out you were willing to come help us. And so we're grateful for that, so keep the doors open, number one. And then we do our best to try to wound uh, the broken in spirit or bind up the wounds for those that are hurting. And they had some, a lot of people that were hurting. Uh, they had a, a, their founding pastor. The church is less than five years old when we came. Uh, they've got land, they've got a building, they got well over hundred some thousand dollars of debt, and then he left. And so that made it very hard. A lot of people were hurt. A lot of people didn't understand why, still don't understand why. Uh, so we've helped them in that area of getting through that. We don't have to know why. We don't have to understand. I know as a young Christian, there's been times past where I've used the phrase, well, I don't understand it, but I guess I'll find out or ask the Lord when I get to heaven. But let's just be honest, we'll be too busy praising Him to care about whether we're right or wrong. And so I've tried to encourage the people just to go on, and they've done that. Uh, we're starting to see some folks come in. But we're still having some other uh, here we go again, struggles. And so I ask you to pray for a young man by the name of Nick. Uh, his wife has fallen into drugs. Uh, she refused to go to the rehab program. He had to ask her to leave the home. And they have three children. Uh, the youngest is 14 months, 15 months, and the oldest has just turned 13. And they have a daughter in between, so it's been really hard. Uh, the church has rallied around him to be a help. Uh, it was hard on the church, but they seem to have done well and recovered. And so also pray for his wife. She, she, she needs to be in rehab. Uh, she's promised and promised and promised, but she still hasn't went. And, of course, that's been really hard. And that's a, a great epidemic in our country today. There's a lot of struggles in that area. And the bottom line is, I, I'm sorry, folks, I don't want to be politically correct. It's, it's sin. It's sin. It's not a disease. It's sin. And so just please pray for those that are struggling and they'll get help to overcome those things because we do have victory in Christ. And so please pray for them. Pray for the church. Uh, our next step, I would say if you had someone ask me how far along are you or with our five goals that we have, I guess we're about 70% through. And so the next part really is to help them to, uh, we're finishing up going through the, uh, the guidelines and the Constitution and bylaws, which were, let's just say they needed to be updated, need to be adjusted. So we're going through that. We'll be presenting that to the church and teaching them. And then the next step is helping them form a pulpit committee. And we're really asking the Lord to help them to get the next church. The longer we stay the more attached both sides get and the harder it is to leave. So please pray that we can see that through and that we can see a, a candidate come in possible. We can make the transition. Uh, there's two reasons. I'm just going to be honest. One is selfish. 
and one is for the right reason. The right reason is they need a shepherd. I'm only temporary. They need a shepherd. So please pray for that. Number two, uh, I miss East Tennessee. <laughs> we're, ready, we're ready to come back. And uh, so you pray with us that we can help them. And I'm going to go a little further and ask you to simply pray this. Ask the Lord if it be his will that he allow us to help the next church that would be within more like a two to four hour radius of Kingsport as opposed to nine hours in one time zone. Uh, that will make it a little bit easier. Uh, but whatever, wherever the Lord leads is where we want to be. Wherever he leads is where we want to be. All right, well, I woke up, this, woke up this morning with every anticipation of preaching out of Joshua 24, the choice is yours. And then after my uh, second cup of coffee and some time with the Lord, the Lord says no. And it kind of goes along with the music this morning and some of the music. But I'd like to share just a thought, a few things with this morning, simply with the title or the thought of the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. You know, I, we, I know you've heard this before, but, you know, our happiness is based on happenings around us. But our joy comes from the Lord. It's wonderful to know that we can rejoice. And, and I, want, I, want to, I want you to listen up to me, okay? We've got particular two types of Christians, basically, a little in this era that I want to share the information with. There's those that were saved out of a life of sin. That know what it means to have the joy of the Lord that God has given me victory. It saved me from that pit of, of, of sin and all, the, all that we can go with it. But we also have to remember of us Christians who had the privilege of being saved from a life of sin. We need to be careful and remember well, we should be rejoicing just as much. And I'm afraid sometimes, uh, and there's nothing wrong with those rejoicing, being saved out of a life of sin and getting excited what God has done, that I don't go there anymore, I don't do that anymore. But we also need to remember and not take for granted those that have been raised up in church, being saved from a life of sin, that we also should rejoice and get excited about what God has spared us from. Because those that were saved out of a life of sin, at times the old devil is going to mess with them and give them a hard time because you may not be what you used to be, but you still think about it. But yet we have the privilege of knowing that we've never been down that road. And we should not take those things for granted. So as the Lord helps me this morning, I want to share a little bit this morning with you in reference to the joy of the Lord. Let's begin in Nehemiah chapter number 8. And for sake of time and for sake of my eyes and little medication, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read portions of it. But also going to read for, with you a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of background that will help me from reading all of that. Uh, basically from, uh, from the preacher's outline and sermon Bible commentary. It's not all my words, but I use some of theirs to, to give a little bit of a background. But before we, uh, let me read a little bit of that background, then I'll read our text. And then we'll have a word of prayer and get started. So if you found your place in Nehemiah chapter 8, if you would just say amen. All right, Denver Dorcas is not there yet. <laughs> All right, here is an overview of Nehemiah chapter 8. So you see that once the, once the wall of Jerusalem was completed and the people were officially uh, registered in the public records by genealogy, it was time to build a strong spiritual foundation, one that would last for generations to come. And Nehemiah understood well that the rebuilding of a nation meant to re the rebuilding of people. He knew that the Jews would have to seek God with all their hearts, obey His holy word, and be totally devoted to the Lord. So Nehemiah summoned all the people to a great celebration and a dedication service. And in the, at the meeting, Ezra the scribe read and taught the people, excuse me, and taught the law of Moses to the people. No doubt, here's this verses 1 through 8, no doubt it was a powerful and moving sermon for the people were immediately struck in their hearts to obey God's word praying and confessing their sins unto the Lord. 
the people made a firm covenant to obey the Lord wholeheartedly. Whatever was read from God's word, they immediately put it to practice. It was a complete revival of the entire nation. And dear friends, I believe we not only need one in our nation, but we need one here in Kingsport, amen? I was so pleased and encouraged to talk to some of these men that we're working with. And by the way, you pray for us, there's no men in the church that are qualified to be deacons. And some of them thought they were as young Christians, but when I sit down and taught them, explain what the Bible says, and we see this, that the Word of God, they put it into practice. One of the men said, well, preacher, I didn't know that, but if that's what the Bible says, I just want to serve Him where I can. Don't need a title. Don't need to be in leadership. I just want to serve my Lord. And we need more men and more women willing to say that. Amen. Now, remember that Nehemiah was writing both to the Jews who had fully worked with him to complete the wall and to the future generation who had also to remain faithful. But above all else, the Jews had to be faithful to the Lord. Jerusalem had been rebuilt with great sacrifice. And now that city of God was built. The Jews needed God's guiding hand upon them more, more than ever. So Nehemiah knew the constant devotion and continued revival and a continued revival were desperately needed for the people and the nation to remain strong. The Jews must not risk the wrath of God by giving in to compromise and evil associations. So as we study how God used Nehemiah to rebuild the Jewish nation and to lead the people in revival, the fact that we should keep in our mind is spiritual renewal is constantly needed among God's people. We must remember that a spirit revival can be maintained only through purifying effect of the Word of God in our lives, not just to church, but daily, individually. We must live in God's Word, reading, studying, and prayer, and applying it to our lives. So as we think about this foundation that's laid here in the book of Nehemiah, they are read the law. And now let's go over before we pray in Nehemiah chapter 8, and let's begin reading in verse number 9. In Nehemiah, which is the Chershethah, and the Ezra, the priestly scribe, and the Levites, that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Think about it. Aren't you so glad we don't live under the law today? There's some rejoicing in that, but there's also some rejoicing and protecting for those who did live under the law. But I imagine those weeping could have been from joy, but then also knowing the difficulty that it would be. Now, let's pick up in verse number 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our God. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They understood the words that were declared unto them. Let's pray. Father, I do love you and I praise you and thank you for your goodness, for the privilege of being here today. Father, please help me today physically, but also give me clarity of thought, clarity of mind, and clarity of speech. Father, help me to be a blessing. Help me to be an encouragement. But most of all, Father, help me to be obedient. We ask these things in Christ's name with thanksgiving. Amen. Here, as we've given a background, a little bit of our text, uh, I want to remind you just a little bit, as I mentioned, happenings. You know, our happiness is based on happenings. But joy, joy is a lively emotion of happiness. Delight 
and pleasure, to rejoice and to make glad. And we must remember that our joy comes from the Lord and His goodness to us, not on the circumstances that surround us. Number one this morning, joy comes from forgiveness of sins. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have a loving, forgiving God who loves all? 1 John 1.9 tells us, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I tease my cousin Dorcas back there, but I have forgiven her for being mean. I just like to pick on her every once in a while. But isn't it wonderful to know that we have a loving and forgiving God? And by the way, we ought to be forgiving to one another as well. You know, it's kind of hard to come to church and to worship and do what's right and have a wonderful time in church if we all have aught with a brother or sister in Christ, especially if they sit next to us, around us, or in front of us. Uh, we need to realize and remember that Satan is good at what he does. And if he wants to rob us of our joy, he's going to do that by allowing us to be frustrated, hold a grudge against someone, or allowing Satan to say, well, who are you? You remember who you once were. How could God use you to be a blessing? How, how could you even show your face at church? But isn't it wonderful to know that joy comes for forgiveness of sins? Aren't you grateful that God has forgiven you, that God has saved you, and God has prepared a place for you? Isn't it wonderful to know that even in my shortcomings and even in my difficulties, I know that I can go before the Lord. And don't get me wrong, being saved is not a license of sin, but it is a knowing that when I do fail, I do make a mistake, I can go before my God. I can go directly before the throne of grace. I can come boldly before the throne of grace and ask the Lord to forgive me, to restore me, and to use me and go on. I think sometimes we need to read the Psalms a little more. And, and I, I love the life of David. And David at times... Uh, uh, sometimes, some, I think David sometimes was a whiner. Uh, he'd get discouraged, but he had no problem saying, Lord, slay my enemies, <laughs> at the same time asking for forgiveness. But we need to ask ourselves, where does our joys come from? When you get discouraged and you're down and out, just remind yourself, I've got joy in the Lord because He has forgiven me of my sins. I have a home in heaven, and I have the privilege of serving an eternal, faithful, loving, forgiving God. And help us to go on and to serve Him. Number two this morning. Joy comes from service and fellowship. Joy comes from service and fellowship. Folks, you, you think you have a good time at a ball game? You think you have a good time at doing some other things and activities of the church? Let me tell you something. Serving God is a joy. Serving God is enjoyable. It's exciting to see God work in the lives of other people. It's a joy to know that you've been a blessing. It's a joy to know you've been a source of encouragement. It's a joy to know that when God uses you to bless or to challenge or to help someone in their spiritual life. Turn over, if you would, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew 25, look at verse number 20. So that he had received five talents, came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou have delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And he said that he had received two talents. And he came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Yet I have gained the other two talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a 
hard man reaping wherefore thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strode. And I was afraid and went and hid my towel in the earth. Lo, thou hast thine. <clears throat> Lo, there thine has that is thine. I, I want to want you to focus on the aspect of the joy of the Lord there in verse number 21. And again, in verse 22, enter into the joy of the Lord. I wonder how one day that we'll stand before the Lord and, and expect a pat on the back or joy just because we were faithful and attended church. Don't we want to know that we made ourselves available to be used of God in any capacity that we can? And don't get me wrong. You're, you're a blessing when you come to church and walk in those doors to your preacher. No preacher wants to stand up and preach to a zero crowd. I mean, I preach to my wife and my kids. Probably some of my best preaching was just to my wife and kids because I had so much liberty because it didn't matter what they thought. Amen? No. But you know... Through the years, as we preach and we grow in the Lord, we need to realize that it is a joy to serve. By being here, you are worshiping the Lord. By being here, you are a source of encouragement to those around you and your preacher. But at the same time, we must also realize that there's other opportunities to serve the Lord. Getting involved in the choir, getting involved in the greeters, getting involved in the children's ministry, the groundskeeper, whatever it may be. Lord, give me a place to serve that my joy may be in not only my service, but also in my fellowship. Now, I, we're not in town as much as we'd like to, I'll be honest, but I'm excited and happy to serve the Lord where we're at. But I enjoy the men's fellowship and breakfast. You folks sort of come out, men, if you haven't, enjoy the time of fellowship. When I'm in here, I try to get here a little bit early to pull the biscuits out before Denver gets through cooking them. But some of you men don't know what I'm talking about. But I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy the, the challenge of the Bible study. I enjoy other men. And here's what enjoys this, helps this preacher. I enjoy it when I walk in and the men of Bible Baptist Church say, hello, Brother Cook, how are things going in Foley? How are things going in Alabama? It tells me they're reading my prayer letter. It tells me they've been praying. It tells me they've been updated and they're concerned and they care about my ministry. That's encouraging. That's a time of a joy for me. It not only comes to service, but comes into that type of fellowship. So let me ask you this morning before we go on, are you having joy in your service for the Lord? Are you reminded of the joy of your service and fellowship and encouraging one another as well as being encouraged? Yeah, the happenings and the circumstances around us could be hard, but my joy comes from the Lord. My wife likes to tease me a little bit, especially with my girls. You know, the girls heard about me having some health problems and with my knee and then the tooth and then my other knee and, then, and I had two surgeries earlier, end of last year. You know, they, they text me or they call me and say, oh, Daddy, you okay? Do you need anything? And then, then my wife will say, yeah, he needs, I need somebody to help me take care of your dad. And, of course, my oldest daughter will say, well, Mom, you created the monster. <laughs> but I appreciate the fact of her willingness to take and care for me and help me during this time. I appreciate the fact of the fellowship that I have with the Bible Baptist Church and other supporting churches that encourage us, sends the text messages, the letters, and the little cards from Dorkin. I mean, I, I'm, her, I'm her cousin. I thought she had to love me, but you know what? She still sends us cards. Thank you, Dorcas, those little homemade cards. We get a couple of those every so often, always an encouraging, and that's a form of service and a form of fellowship. The joy of the Lord. It comes from forgiveness of sins. And if we stopped right there, that should be enough to make us shout. That should be enough to make us leave happy knowing that I am forgiven. And then joy comes from service and fellowship. And then number three, joy comes from trials and tribulations. Yes, they come from trials and tribulations. 
Maintain your joy, my friends, by meeting and conquering your trials and tribulations. I'm not going to take the time this morning, but Luke chapter 6 and Acts 5 and James 1 and 1 Peter 4, but we can also look in the aspect of, of Job's life. We have trials and we have tribulations. If we took the time tonight, isn't it wonderful to know when we come to church, we take a moment of time to share the testimonies in God's victory? Can you imagine what it would be like when we come to church and took a moment to share, let's share our woe is me's and our tribulations tonight? Boy, that, that wouldn't be much fun in that. We'd all leave discouraged. We'd all leave wondering. Well, some of us would leave encouraged. We thought, boy, I thought it. Well, I had it bad. Boy, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they got it rough. But isn't it wonderful to know no matter how bad things are, no matter how difficult things are, that God has a plan. He's still on the throne. We can still maintain our joy and have joy in the Lord knowing, even through our trials and tribulations, that God is still in control. Now, you can say what you want. I have days, and I used to tease our people when I was pastoring a military church overseas, is, and I know this is not true, and it's not doctrinally correct, but you just bear with me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There's been some days I felt like I was God's favorite son. Come on, be honest. How many of you ever felt that way? At the moment in your time, I must be his favorite. Now, my children like to pull that. I'm the favorite. I'm the favorite. And then, of course, my, I can't, and my, well, once in a while, we'll get something for the kids at Christmas and say, oh, favorite child, and then we'll add the bottom, number one, or number two, or number three, or number four, the fourth child. But we like to tease them, and they like to say I'm the favorite. But sometimes I really, truly believe that I'm God's favorite. At that point in time, at that blessing that God has provided me, for example, I love the Johnson City VA. They've been good to me. I've got no complaints. But my doctor said, Doug, suck it up, buttercup. You're too young to have knee replacement surgery. You'll be just fine. Let's try several, all these other things. All right, so I just hobbled along, kept eating those glucosamine and turmeric and whatever else that, uh, that someone told me that would work. I tried it all, and I can't take some medications because I have some allergic reactions and arthritis, Tylenol. And then lo and behold, the Lord sends us down to Foley, Alabama to help a church. One day we were down there getting ready to get out of the fifth wheel. I missed the last step, and I didn't fall on my face, but I fell on my knee, and it hurt. I got up and said, well, I guess I need to call the doctor. I went down to uh, find out where the nearest VA was. One was two hours away. One was 40 miles away. Drove down to Pensacola, right down below them. Waited nine hours to see the doctor who dealt with walk-in patients, only to find out they were so booked, he also had booked scheduled meetings as well. So I was there nine hours. Here's the good news. When I left, he goes, well... Mr. Cook, there's not a whole lot I could do. We're a small clinic. I'm going to refer you to a civilian orthopedic right down the road from where you live in Foley. Because of my appointment, I went down. I saw the doctor. He gave me an injection in one knee and said, we're going to do surgery on the other. VA's already approved it. He told me, no, up here. I smiled real big. I looked at the doctor and said, are you serious? He goes, yep, I'm going to use a robotic arm. We're going to do new knee replacement on the 28th. And I just smiled real big. And I wish I had said it. The doctor says, well, you seem to be a little happy. What I should have said, oh, yeah, because I felt like I'm God's favorite right now. They told me no in Tennessee, but they told me yes down here. So for no other reason, I'm glad to be down there. But look forward to get back. We all at times feel like God's special blessing meant for us. And by the way, it was meant especially for you at a time and a point where you need it in your life. Dear friends, joy comes from trials and tribulations. When we look at our difficulties and we look at the roughness, we must ask ourselves through this time, what is it that I need? What is it the Lord is trying to get my attention? When my girls were growing up, when they had a boo-boo and they fell down, nine out of ten times the words out of their mouth was, Mama, Mama. Because Mama knew how to put a little medicine on it, how to kiss it, make it all feel better. 
they come to dad. I always picked them up and said, let's go find mama. And I would always tell them, don't worry, sweetheart. It'll get better before you get married. That was my treatment. Then mom would take care of it. But you know, it's the same way when we have trials and tribulations. We can climb up into our Savior's arms knowing that He's going to care for us. He's going to carry us to the Heavenly Father on our behalf. And He's going to heal, the, here I go again, heal those wounds, help us out, give us what we need to get through those troubles and, make us, and get us ready along our way. Trials and tribulations will come. But let's remember, even among those trials and even among those tribulations like Job, we can remember, we can remember that God's got this, that God is in control. And throughout all of this, God has a silver lining. There is a rainbow at the end. And God will take care of my, my needs, but sometimes, and my knees, but sometimes we just need to remember that, hey, maybe God just has me during this trial and this tribulation for nothing else but for me to climb up in his arms to tell me everything's going to be okay. I've got this. Things are under control. Sometimes we get confronted because of our belief. Sometimes we're questioned about what we believe and what we need to do is we need to, we, we, we get criticized or challenged and we tend to pull back when we should charge on for the glory of God. I mean, we need to get excited even when people condemn us and even when people criticize us is to remind them, yes, I'm not perfect, but I serve a perfect God. Yes, things aren't perfect. And yes, the church is not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. Uh, that's some of the challenge. Again, another prayer request within the message is pray for our folks there. Most of the phone calls that we get is me asking, do you guys still have that drug rehab canceling study on Friday nights? Because they used to have an extended ministry for drug uh, alcohol addiction, his drug addiction program. And but of course, the church has dwindled down to something so low that I've asked the men and I've asked the people, we need to put this on the back burner. We need to make the main thing the main thing, and that's the local church. And then later down the road, we can reconsider that. But for now, we need to worry about ministering to people and their needs and, and trying to get people to come to church. Oh, though that's the drug addiction church. That's the drug rehab church and trying to get people to come in. It's been a challenge. It's been a difficulty. But the bottom line, I've tried to encourage our people there, is we can overcome some of these trials. We can overcome some of these difficulties simply by pressing on, serving the Lord, and let them see how God has changed your life and met your needs. You may be here this morning and going through a difficult time. You may be here saying, I know, preacher, I can check the box, I'm saved. I can check the box, I know that I've got joy. I know I have forgiveness of sins. Yes, I'm serving the Lord, and yes, I have good fellowship. No, you can check all those boxes and still be going through trials and tribulations. You can still check all those boxes and be going through the fires of difficulties. But there's one good thing to know, even through all of that, even through all the hardship, I know that I can still have joy in the Lord. I do not have to allow the happenings around me to steal my joy or to prevent me or keep me from being excited. And I'm afraid today we must ask ourselves, and I know this is nothing new to you, but why would a world that we have to live in want something that we have, even though we say we're saved, even though we know that we're saved, and we say we have joy, why is it that our joy seems to be, well, I'm glad I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Where is the real joy in our voice? Where is the real joy in our face? Where is the real joy and excitement of serving and living for the Lord? Michelle and I had the privilege of going to the Gator Bowl this past year to see Tennessee uh, beat Indiana. Can't say whoop up on, but well, you're not a fan anyway, so it makes no difference. The last five minutes and 32 seconds of the game was the best part. That's when Tennessee came back. Many people had left the game. They'd given up. They were down by a great number of points. 
Uh, they were disappointed when they got back to their hotel room or back to the room when they found out Tennessee rallied and won the game. But I'll be honest with you, the Lord convicted me, preacher. Really did. I mean, I looked around and here I am with bad D and all with my, uh, with my cane standing on my feet doing my best to jump up and down when I could, get excited about a, a football game with Tennessee coming back and winning the game. They had that onside kick where they recovered it. And man, I, I thought I was going to jump out of the stadium. And then the Lord said, when's the last time you got excited about service for the Lord like that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I get excited about serving the Lord. But when's the last time I got that excited? When's the last time I had that much joy in serving the Lord? I had that much joy when someone walked the aisle and trusted Christ as their Savior. When someone walked the aisle and got right with God or joined the church. Or when some, or you fill in the blank where God met a need. When's the need? I said need again, didn't I? Met a need that you got that excited about what God is doing. Do we really know what real joy is? I'm going to pause before I go to the last point and I need to finish up. Do you ponder just for a moment? When's the last time in your life that you got jumping up and down excited about anything? About anything. I know I got pretty excited over that ball game. Before that, I imagine it was the birth of the last grandbaby. Jared and Tammy, that new grandbaby that came recently, I know that caused, brought a lot of joy into their life, a lot of excitement. You should have seen Jared the other day. I think he bought out Walgreens, preacher. They went down to Walgreens. He helped me to go get my medication. They had a big sale. I think he cleaned them out. He called his wife or they went home. They hit four more Walgreens. So if you want any toys for your grandkids, forget about going to sell Walgreens. Jared bought them all. But he was excited. He said, but look what I got. Look what I got. And I said, your kids don't need that many grandkids. I said, I know they don't need that many toys, but there might be some other people that need it. And there might be some others that we could use to give gifts to, grand, to other nephews and nieces and things like that. But he was excited. When's the last time you were jumping up and down excited about anything? And if it wasn't over something the Lord has done, let me encourage you and challenge you. Say, Lord, help me to get just as excited about spiritual things as I do as about material things. Help me be just excited, have just as much joy for my Lord as I do. We let the happenings around us get us excited and get all excited about a ball game. And don't get me wrong. I wear my Tennessee orange tie during football season when they win. It don't matter if it matches or not. I wear it. And I got to wear it. Yeah, I do. Michelle tries to work around it, but no, I wear it. Because I get excited. But that's happiness. That's happiness. Joy comes from the Lord. When's the last time we got so excited about what God has done for you? And let me go beyond that. When's the last time you got excited for what God has done for a brother or sister in Christ? What God has done for a sibling, spiritual sibling, what God is doing in their life? We need to practice joy. We need to get a little excited and allow ourselves to express that joy. Joy comes from forgiveness, comes from service and fellowship. Joy comes from trials and tribulations. And number five, simply how to keep it. How to keep it. Look over the book of Isaiah. I'll read the portion here and we'll be finished. As you turn there, let me ask this morning again as we get ready to, to look at the book of Isaiah. I want you to ponder a moment as, we, as I prepare here to go back to the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior. Go back to the place where you knelt and trusted Christ as your Savior. Do you, do you remember that place? Do you know where it is? Do you know who it was a part of it involved in, in leading you to Christ? I remember when I trusted Christ as my Savior... I was a young boy. I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. I had the privilege of, of that. And every time we'd go back to Florida, the old Dixon Boulevard Baptist Church, 
which is now called Bethel Baptist Church because they moved from Dixon Boulevard to Bethel Avenue. Makes name makes sense to change the name. And there was an old building. There was an insurance company. And I'd walk back there and I'd say, this is going to be a strange request, but would you mind if I go back to that back room in the corner of your office just for a few moments as nobody's using that room? And they just kind of looked at me. And it's, if you think about it, it's an odd request. And she's kind of looked at me and I said, well, many years ago as a young boy, this building was a church. And they said, oh, yeah, I remember the old Dixon Boulevard at the church. I said, that room back there in the right corner is where I knelt, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I'd like to have just a few minutes if I could. Of course, without a doubt, they were happy to do it. The lady in the office was happy to leave. And I went back there, and I just knelt, and I wept, and I thanked God, and I thanked Miss Lawson, who taught me in Children's Church, who had a part of me coming to know the Lord. Folks, it's good every once in a while. And don't misunderstand these tears right here, they may not look on my face. They're tears of joy. They're tears of excitement of knowing what God had saved me from as a young boy coming to know Christ as our personal Savior. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that will help us keep that joy is remember what Christ has done for us. I go by there and I remind our kids, every time I go by there, I say, kids, there's where Daddy trusted Christ as a Savior. That's the place where, where Daddy put his hands in the hands of God and said, Lord, forgive me and trusted him as my personal Savior. Isaiah chapter 12, let's begin reading in verse number 1. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I, will, <clears throat> I praise thee, though thou wast angry with me, and thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Isaiah 12. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Jehovah, the existing one, the, he's the proper name of the one true God. And verse 3, therefore, will, therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And that day shall ye say, Praise ye the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that, is, that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things, this known in all the earth. Cry out with a shout that inhabited of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. Cry out and shout for the inhabitant of Zion. Isn't it wonderful to know that I can keep my joy? I don't have to worry about my salvation. It's secure in Him. But so is my joy. I may just have to remind myself every once in a while what God has done for me, and I can have great joy in knowing. And to this day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise Thee. When is the last time we just praised God and thanked Him for the day that we got saved? Thank you for the person who brought us to Christ. The message that was preached when we heard the gospel. Just Let's just get in the habit and on purpose of just praising the Lord. As a boy growing up, I enjoyed sports. And we had a lot of drills that we did at practice at a repetition, both baseball and football, to get in the habit of doing things, to prepare us and help us to get ready for the big day. You know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with all the world just setting a time aside. Say, you know what, today you can call it a practice. You can just call it a time of worship. But I, I'm just going to praise God. I'm just going to practice the joy of the Lord. I'm just going to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. And the next time you get discouraged, the next time you get a little bit down, you start praising God, I promise you, your outlook on life will be a little bit different. It'll be a little bit different. God is so good, and once again, I know it's not true, but I still feel like sometimes I'm his favorite son. I'm his favorite child, but I know that God has a room full of people here this morning. 
that at one time, a particular moment in time for your life, you feel like, I must be his favorite. Wouldn't it be a good thing? Wouldn't it help us in our spiritual life if maybe we had that thought and that practice on a daily basis? Knowing because of what he has done for me, I can have great joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy comes from forgiveness of sins. It comes from service and fellowship. It comes from trials and tribulations. But let's remember how to keep it. Let's return to that well of which we first drank if we need to. Let's remember that first joy, that well of salvation, and say, Lord, thank you for saving me. And by the way, anything else on top of that is just gravy, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. Not only did he save me, he's letting me serve him. He's letting me, allow me to be used of him in trying to make a difference in the life of others. So this morning as we close, let me ask this morning, when's the last time that you experience great joy. And let's, why not let's rehearse that on a regular basis. Let's ask the Lord to help us to get more excited or at least just excited about spiritual things as we do material things. Just excited about the birth of that grandbaby. This is excited about those first steps of our children and grandchildren. So Lord, help me to be just as excited about that new believer in our church who just trusted Christ and now is beginning to take baby steps in a new walk of life and serving the Lord and let's help them along their way, and let's experience joy as we do it.